the Recovery Revolution will be podcast on the Since Right Now Addiction Recovery Network. This is the Unruffled Podcast, episode 174. This is a podcast about recovery through creativity. We live an intentional life. We thrive. I am Sandra Primo. And I'm Tammy Salas. And we are The Unruffled. Hello, Unruffled listeners. We are popping in at the top of the show to share with you several ways that you can help support the podcast. First, you can become a patron of the show by donating to our Patreon fundraising campaign. Please consider supporting our consistent effort in bringing you weekly content on creativity and recovery, all for less than the price of a latte. For just a dollar an episode, you will receive early access to each week's show as our way of saying thank you. If every listener did this, we would be over the moon. The link to our Patreon campaign is www.patreon.com backslash the unruffled podcast. And that's not it. You can share our show on social media or with your friends, and you can subscribe to the podcast and give us a rating on iTunes. All of this helps our little show immensely. And we thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Now onto the show. Hey, Sandra. Good morning. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm just still, I'm, I'm giggling since, you know, this is kind of a new thing for us, what we're doing this morning. <laughs> Shall we out ourselves? I think we should, because I like hearing about people's process. Let's out ourselves. Yeah. So, um, we, re- we release podcasts every Monday and we are recording this in real time. And I mean, it may as well be live. We're recording it (laughs) and we are going to hit release the day of. Yep. Yeah. That's how we're rolling. Well, we're, I mean, at at 174 episodes and we kind of know what we're doing, right? Mm, Sure. And uh, we had kind of a a podcast pro on the show today, uh, a recovery podcast pro. So I felt very confident that we could just knock this out today and put it out. So Yes. Right. Right. We had to, yeah, you're right. We asked the exact right guest to help us make this happen today. I was fully confident that she would show up and show (laughs) I have no doubt about it. Um, Before we get to that though, real quick, I know you moved. I know you had a lot of kind of going on. That's kind of why we both were, we couldn't sync up our calendars. Um, But is there, is there anything you want to say about that or anything you want to say about Anything before we go? Yeah, I moved back into my house. You know, the the I've been talking about this house remodel for a year and we're back into our house. So it's really amazing. We're in our home. It looks like a bomb went off in here. Um, so uh, there won't be a show and tell on Instagram for a little while <laughs> until some <laughs> things get put away. Yeah, a lot of before pictures. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it is not pretty. Although, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the, the work of the house is gorgeous, but yeah. I, I, it's, it's just not, it's not ready for, for eyeballs yet. <laughs> right. um, I got to put some boxes, uh, put a few more boxes away. 
But besides that, um, you know, time doesn't stand still either for me. Uh, my husband's taking off a few days of work, but um, I'm not. <laughs> no. So we have a busy week. Yeah. So I'll be toggling back and forth between, um, you know, work duties and um, putting, yeah, unpacking. So. Are you still, I'm, I'm just trying, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in my Virgo brain right now, Sandra, with the, my two, my Enneagram two. Is there anything you want to promote though? Sure. I know I'll you're promote. busy moving and doing stuff, but you're still yeah, working. You know what I, I mean? Absolute, you're a working yep, creative. You, I'm still working. Stop. Yep. Right. Right. And I don't get paid if I take the week off. So there you right. go. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, not at this point anyway, uh, someday, but, um, yeah, so I am taking clients right now for change your story. I've had, um, a few sign up and I'm so excited um, to work with some new women. So I've, I've redesigned it. And if you don't know, I would encourage you to go to my website, theanruffle.com, click on change your story, but I've redesigned it to be a more structured four week program where I'm inviting women to work with me. If you are, um, either seeking sobriety or new in sobriety and, um, it's for that woman who's like, okay, I'm doing this now. What? And I will provide you some guided structure for your recovery that addresses you mind, body, spirit, and creativity uh, and creatively. And, um, I'm so excited about it. Uh, I've been working really hard putting it together. So it looks beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful. What about you? Uh, yeah. Work-wise, I don't know. Where does the time go, Sandra? We're in a pandemic <laughs> and I feel like I am like, I am stacked today from the time we started recording until five o'clock tonight. And so I've been busying myself. I'm training to become a great area drinking recovery coach. And so I'm working on my offers for that. And also having an offer, um, for creativity coaching, I'm going to make them separate, but combined. I don't know how to say it yet. So I'm figuring that out. So in September, I will have my offers up and I'm just enjoying the training. I'm learning a ton Mm. and that's kept me busy watching videos and Ted talks and reading and just learning more about somatic practices. And I had, I had no idea. I mean, I I kind of did, but I, I, how it all works together for a person who's in recovery and who's removing um, a substance from your life. It's really been um, eye opening for me. So, um, but to that end, I have proof of life going on and I am creating, um, uh, my community has been asking me for more community. And so, uh, we don't have a Facebook group and we don't have, um, a way to kind of effectively communicate and share the work that the women are doing. And so I have been researching and finding how to make a community through the mighty networks. And I'm going to do that for my proof of life students. So if you want, uh, to be part of proof of life. I'm kind of not going to be advertising it very much anymore for the end of the year. If you want in, it's $222 and it's a screaming deal for what you're going to get. You're going to get the four week class. You're going to get monthly calls and I've been doing bonus monthly calls. So you're getting a couple calls a month for an hour within the group. So that's going to be what, eight, nine calls until the end of the year. And you're going to get to be part of a community and you'll get to stay in the community next year. So that's all happening and it feels nice. It feels, I love the women. It's a small group. It's about 30 
and they're lovely. And um, so that's what's going on. TammySalas.com. That sounded like a lot of words, but anyhow, that's that. <laughs> oh, that sounds so cool. Um, I know. I love what we're both doing, Sandra. It's beautiful. And it feels like I love how we're just kind of evolving in our work. And I, I like that. It yes, right. I agree. To witness each other too. I love it. It makes me, um, you inspire me. You always have. And um, a lot of these other women in our recovery community, like our guests today. And yes. Tell, let's yeah. tell the listeners who we have on today. Dun, yeah, dun, let dun, me dun. tell you about our guests. <laughs> um, today we have Laura Silverman, the Laura Silverman. Right. And um, let me tell you a little bit about her. If you don't know Laura Silverman, she got sober in July of 2007 at age 24 after a six-year roller coaster ride of binge drinking to cope with mental health issues. Since then, she's created a patchwork recovery that works for her, it includes nature, self-love, creativity, music, relationships that matter, therapy, recovery memoirs, and personal development books, dabbling in different recovery programs, zero-proof beverages, and sobriety online. Yeah. And back in 2015, Laura started a sobriety lifestyle blog that celebrates alternative modes of recovery and sobriety called the Sobriety Collective, which showcased sober creatives worldwide and has hundreds of resources for people wanting to connect with others and or get some help. Laura helped start the Washington, D.C. chapter of Sands Bar. She co-founded Zero Proof Nation with Chris Marshall, who is the owner and founder of uh, Sands Bar. And launched Booze Free in D.C., a website to showcase sober-friendly restaurants, bars, and wellness activities, concert venues, and events around the D.C. area, I believe. Or is it D.C.? DC Metropolitan. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know this acronym. DMV. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's a karaoke rock star. She's a member of Free State Roller Derby. The derby name is uh, Scaryoke Queen and loves spending time with her family and friends. Um, she was fun to have on the show and I knew she would be. Yes. So warm and just such a good, just supportive cheerleader for everyone in recovery. That's what I love most about Laura. Yeah, I agree. And she is partnering with us um, on the Creative High Inspiration Series that is being, um, that's happening right now in real time. If you're listening to this this week, it's going to be happening on August 14th, this Friday, 2020. And to get a ticket and to be part of this, we're going to be moderating a panel discussion. Um, and you just need a ticket and it's at the creativehigh.com. And we share more about it in the show at the end of the show. Mm -hmm. um, if you want to find Laura, how can they find Laura? Oh, all over the place. Let's see. <laughs> She's on Instagram at we are sober at booze free in DC and at zero proof nation. She's yeah. on Twitter at we are sober Facebook at the sobriety or no, sorry, Facebook at sobriety collective and then she has a couple of websites, thesobrietycollective.com, boozefreeindc.com, and zeroproofnation.com. She's a force. She's yes. a creative, collaborative force. And we really hope you guys enjoy listening to her because we sure did enjoy talking to her. Yes, you guys enjoy, Laura. Welcome to the show, Laura. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. 
Good morning, Laura. I'm so excited to talk to you this morning. Oh, yay. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Tammy and Sandra. It's such an honor to be here. I can't believe it's taken us this long to have you on the podcast. I don't <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. I don't even know what's up with that, but yeah. whatever. Okay. I'm not here to timing, give you a I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> timing is divine always. That's yeah. right. That's right. And the stars were colliding and I kept colliding literally with um, Laura in online formats a couple weekends ago. Yeah. And we were part of some things that were, you know, we were participating in, but then we were also it was like the old days. It was like the Sense Right Now podcast is where I ran yeah. into that Friday night. Right. They've been doing yeah. it live on Friday nights. And uh, Laura has been popping up there a few times, but definitely that Friday night, you and I were on there. And it was just so fun to kind of see the banter that they have in the chat, Sandra, while they're doing this live podcast. And uh, they were all about um, giving um, tribute to, um, oh gosh, I'm so Aaron? sorry. Thank you. To Aaron, per- Aaron Lee Perry. Thank you. I drew oh, a blank. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful how they eulogized him at the beginning and how Laura had reached out to them and let them know what had happened. And um, a friend in the, in the recovery community that we, that we have had um, passed away. And so it was really, uh, they did a really nice job, Laura. And, and it's just reminded me of how much you are connected and how much you love connecting with people and how far we go back. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I was, I mean, when I, (laughs) when I had that shocking news of Aaron um, Lee Perry, I was so sad. And then I started thinking about like, how long have I known him in the recovery community since probably like when I first got sober. And so it seems like forever ago, even though it's only, you know, I just celebrated six years, but um, so yeah, we, we, we have, we have, um, some history, all of us, we yeah. have shared roots for sure. Yeah. yeah. And it's been, it's been so amazing to just watch all of us, but you know, I'm going to blow a little smoke up your ears right now. <laughs> just oh, oh I'm ready for it, Laura. Go. <laughs> you know, and, um, I just love the unruffled community. I'll admit, I'm going to be the first to admit that, um, I, by the way, I just remembered I named that art exchange. You like, did. But oh, I that's did, right. I didn't terrible. know. I, I've been that's so right. bad at actually doing the art exchange. <laughs> Every time I have a partner, we're like, yes, we're so excited. And then we just kind of drop off, both of us. It's not just me. So no, um, it happened a lot. I did it once successfully, and it was really great. <laughs> and I still have my piece of art. Yeah. Um, well, for listeners that yeah. don't know, it's the Recovery Gals Art Exchange. And Laura, you helped set up the Facebook for it, I believe, and you know, name the group. And then we just were off and rolling with it. You're right. Absolutely. Yeah. You're very good. You're, that is your superpower <laughs> is creating yeah. community within the recovery community. Yeah. It's, it's, it's one of my passions. And I'm happy that I, it's still a passion because I don't know about you guys, but one of the things I, I don't think about it all the time, but I, I often worried like, would it, would I get bored of it or would it seem repetitive? And I think the thing that happens is that it evolves just like we evolve. Absolutely. And so it doesn't yeah. have to stay the same. It can grow with you and um, you know, it, it doesn't have to stay stagnant, but that's one of the reasons why I have so many different creative pursuits because I can't just focus on one, um, then I'll get bored. So I do a lot of different things and I'm also very ADD. So it's, it's, it's interesting. 
Well, we have, uh, that is, that is one thing that we, one of several, I'm sure, but that's definitely one thing we have in common because I am the same way. I am always shifting and evolving and I cannot, stagnation equals slow death for me. Yeah. And I just think of like the analogy or the comparison of like stagnant water is what brings all the icky buggies and just like and gross right. Mosquitoes. Gross mosquitoes. <laughs> yes. Gross mosquitoes. So like move, the, move the water and you'll get, you know, you'll get a gorgeous flow going. So oh, anyway, I'm sorry. Yeah. That. That, I can't mute my uh, computer notification. That's okay. That's all right. We go with it. <laughs> well, we have so so much ground to cover, Laura. But I um, let's usually we ask um, at the top of the show, like uh, tell the listeners where we're chatting with you from. Where are you from? I'm in the Washington D.C. area right now. I'm actually my base today is from my friend Amy's house. She's a little further north. Um, we're going on a road trip to get some nature for the next. Nice. And we're going to go bike riding into a river, and so that's actually going to come up later and some of my tools, but, okay. um, yeah, so I'm, I'm usually about 10 miles outside of Washington, DC. Okay. Nice. Well, um, yeah. And so I, I know you're going to tell us your sobriety date in this story, mm. I'm sure, but the, mm-hmm. start off with, so just kind of with the down and dirty, um, you know, sobriety, how did you come to sobriety? Like, what was that like for you? And then I share how long you've been sober too, because it's so inspiring. I think when I hear people share how long, you know, they've been at this thing, how long they've been yeah. in recovery, whether, whatever words you use for it. Yeah. Um, I kind yeah. Of inter- they're interchangeable to me, but um, yeah. So, well, I'll just, you know what, I'll start with my sobriety date and then we'll work backwards. So um, I got sober the 14th of July, 2007. So I just celebrated 13 oh, years and I, I know I sound <laughs> really young and I am, I guess, really young, but I was a baby when I got sober. So I had only just turned 24 oh, um, and I just that's had beautiful. birthday. Yeah. So how did I get there? Well, it was a combination of like being ready for something that I, I really needed the change, but also I definitely was going in kicking and screaming a bit too. Cause I wasn't, you know, I didn't know how to live with alcohol anymore and I didn't know how to live without it. And I certainly didn't know how to socialize without it. And I thought that my, my life was over as we knew it and it was, but not in a bad way. But at the time I really thought that, that it was over because no one who is 24 or 25 or 26, like successfully had a social life and dated and any of that without booze. Um, and so, and I just want to make sure that you guys are still there. Um, if you're just listening attentively, oh, yeah. I, I love I'm that. I'm listening like attentively. That. Yes, okay. we are. Yes. Still I never know what Zoom is. <laughs> no, and then you can give me like a, a verbal cue, like a, uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, it's um, still here. Okay, cool. Yeah. So I just, I never imagined being in my twenties without alcohol, but the reason why I got there, um, I had a very short span of drinking and in some ways I'm really grateful that it didn't take that long for me to realize that I was developing a problem, but I wasn't a daily drinker. I was a binge drinker on the weekends. Um, and I didn't drink at all in high school. As a matter of fact, I was very much a goody two shoes. <laughs> um, but, um, I've had, that resonates with me, Laura. Does it? Okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I didn't drink. I'm proud to be. Like, you know, 
I didn't drink in high school either. Like maybe twice. That was yeah, it. I did. At, I did. Admittedly, the, the summer before my senior year, I had my first beer and a half. I got totally wasted. And I was like, this is what it means to feel alive. It's such a cliche, but it, mm-hmm. it just felt so true. Um, yeah. So kind of going backwards even more, I, I've had mental health gunk, I like to call it. It's just like issues that are in your tissues. <laughs> Um, like, you know, I've had OCD since I can remember, like since I was six or seven, um, I've had just generalized anxiety, I think since I was a kid and then, uh, kind of severe panic disorder since I was 17. And on top of all of that, I was, uh, pretty terribly bullied, uh, for almost a decade. And I think it's because I'm an empath and I just feel things so deeply and people just saw me as an easy target. And I was usually one of the new kids at school. I traveled a lot. My dad was a U.S. diplomat, so I lived all over the world. Um, And I was often, you know, the new kid. And so all of that was just kind of like the perfect storm for coming together. And when I got to college, I wanted to reinvent myself. And I know Kelly, Sober Senorita Kelly has talked a lot about it too, like just becoming a party girl. And I wanted to become popular and it just almost sounds icky coming out of my mouth but i was so tired of of the identity of being the dork the nerd the the one that was picked on and i was like college is a fresh start and everyone seems to be drinking and granted not everyone was but it just happened to be the crowd that i fell into and it just really worked for me and you know until it didn't so uh I, I was I was just a binge drinker um, in college, but the problem is, as we all know, that this is a progressive disease or a progressive, um, you know, I don't consider myself uh, an alcoholic, but I know that I had um, uh, just a very unhealthy, extremely unhealthy relationship with alcohol, and I definitely abused it, and it abused me. So, mm. um my tolerance would build uh, as one's does. And, um, you know, by the time I graduated from college, I mean, I'm fast forwarding a lot, but I went from being able to have like a couple of beers and getting like wee tipsy to blacking out regularly. Um, so I say it on, on my blog and my story, but I've, you know, it's also kind of an ism from, from the rooms. And I had, I have spent some time in, in, 12 step programs as part of my path. Um, but it's, you know, first it's fun, then it's fun with problems, then it's just problems. And that was kind of the trajectory of my drinking. It started out as fun and then I started to lose things and, you know, my phone and my digital camera because back in the day they were separate things. Um, right. And my debit card and this and that and keys to like my dorm and whatever. And then it turned into just problems. I would start to just black out, go home with different people that I didn't know. Um, and, and then I, I started after graduation, I, I was hospitalized for alcohol poisoning for the first time. So it was getting worse as my peers were starting to, you know, put on their grown-up hats and, and be working professionals. And I had a job out of college too, but, um, you know, and I would, I would 
stay quote unquote like sober during the week. Um, but on the weekends, I just completely lived a different lifestyle. And then I started to hide um, empty bottles in a different garbage bag so that my roommates wouldn't know how much I was drinking. And um, I was, you know, I was definitely a, a wine lover, um, but I didn't discriminate. I liked all alcohol. Right, um, right. Yeah. And then, you know, by the very, very end, and granted, I had only just turned 24 a couple of months prior, I was hospitalized for alcohol poisoning again. And after that first hospitalization, I was, I was scared. I, it was just frightening because I, you know, I had a bit of a, a brush with potentially death or potentially, you know, long-term damage. And I certainly was frightened by the fact that I blacked out and didn't remember anything and could have done so many things while I was, and I didn't really understand what blacking out was. And, and so I, I was scared off of alcohol for a while, but because I didn't have a plan and I didn't really understand what was going on enough. My first hospitalization was only 22. So I eventually got back into drinking and um, because this is progressive, it got worse. And um, I was hospitalized the second time on July 13th, 2007 uh, in New York City after a concert um, that I don't remember anything of. Mm. Granted, my first hospitalization was after a concert too. There's this weird connection between music, right. live music, but, um, and that was just the most frightening and terrifying experience of my life. Um, I, I really, I don't even know how to, I mean, it's so long ago, but some of it is still like viscerally in, in me. And uh, I didn't plan on like quitting alcohol forever, but I knew that, um, you know, that, that next day when I came to in the hospital, like something felt different. And I was just, I knew that I had not only affected myself, but I, I had likely affected my family somehow. And I found out later how, how um, acutely they had felt this because there was a phone tree going on in the background with a security guard from Madison Square Garden calling my recent call list because they found my belongings and were trying to track me down. And it was very... Ugh, just like awful. And um, I somehow got reunited with my cousin who I was supposed to stay with. And um, I just, she was like, look, you can drink tonight if you, if you want, I won't tell your parents. She's like, but just don't fuck up again. And I was like, I don't, I don't think I ever want to drink again. And how many times have we all said like, I'm never right. drinking again. And I, and like a, a little part of me when I would say that before, like kind of meant it, <laughs> but right. this time, like I, I really meant it. I was like, I can't keep doing this to myself. So, you know, my per we picked up my purse at Madison square garden the next day. Cause someone had, you know, turned it into a security guard or a security guard found it or whatever the case may be. And my bus ticket was still inside to go back to DC. I mean, like everything was there. Mm -hmm. It was just, I, I thought that that was some sort of like, you can call it a coincidence and maybe it was, but I thought it was some sort of like divine intervention where all of my belongings were still there, including my inhaler that I had for quote unquote asthma, which was really just undiagnosed anxiety. Right. <laughs> I, I understand. That. Um, that's why my breathing was off. <laughs> uh -huh. um, and so, you know, I went back to DC and I, I called out sick for a couple of days. So I just was crawling out of my skin. I didn't know what to do with myself, but I knew I needed help. 
And I knew that like on the back of my health insurance card, there was that number for substance abuse and mental health services. And I knew even though I wouldn't admit a lot that I had a problem and I needed help. And so that's when my journey began. I, I met with a, a drug and alcohol counselor like the following day when I got home and we went through that whole checklist and I kind of said yes to everything and still was sort of like ambiguous about whether or not I had a problem. But she's like, why are you here? If you're here, it means that you want some, some sort of change. She's like, look, if you're open to it, join my group program. And I didn't know what an IOP was back then or, you know, but for those who don't know, it's an intensive outpatient program. So I was able to, <clears throat> I was able to work my work schedule around it. And I went for three days a week for five weeks and it was coupled with um, a pretty strict 12 step meeting attendance in order to graduate. And um, I haven't, I haven't had anything to drink since and I haven't wanted to since. And that was 13 years ago. Wow. Wow. You know, I was thinking as you're telling your story, Laura, you know, no one would ever call hospitalizations a blessing, right? But I almost <laughs> think that they could be considered that because, I mean, it got really intense really fast for you. Yeah. Um, you know, my consequences were like a slow build. <laughs> <laughs> Had they been that fast and furious and intense, perhaps, you know, I don't know. Maybe I would have really taken a, a good hard look at my drinking in my 20s. Um, yeah. I don't know, but I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you consider them, you know, I, I don't know if you consider that something to be grateful for or not, um, but... I I do and I am. I I know like a fair amount of my friends um now who are sober um most of them didn't have like quite an acute and uh concentrated history as I did. Um a lot of them like it was just more of a slower progression and it got to the point where you know you wake up one day and you're just like I can't keep doing this anymore. Right. I have little kids or you know, like it's just getting in the way of like their career or whatever the case may be, you know, mine was a very like explosive, it was just short and explosive and yeah, I am grateful, but I certainly at the first time didn't, didn't see it as something. Right. The second right. time was like, wow, like, I mean, I don't want to get graphic, but I could have been raped. I could have been sure killed or I could have died from alcohol poisoning or Abs yeah, whatever. Exactly. And, like, it just, it, it was like the blessing and the intervention that I needed. Um, but yeah, it, it's obviously like my relationship with, with what had happened um, has evolved over the years. And maybe in the beginning, I didn't see it that way, but I started. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. When we're in it, we never see it that way, but right. hindsight. About hindsight. Yep. <laughs> mm -hmm. I love, I love knowing that um, when I see young women in my women's meetings in 12 step program, I'm always in awe of these, you know, early twenties, um, just yeah. in twenties in general coming to the meetings. And I just think like, ah. Oh, wouldn't it be so nice to be that self-aware, um, that young, or maybe some of them there are there not by choice, but, um, but just the, the self-awareness that you had to have to really, you really understood your, 
your body in some way that your body was screaming out to you or your mind was screaming out to you like this cannot keep happening this is not safe for me this is yeah. my choice yeah 13 years wow that's amazing yeah. lucky 13 yeah and I, I mean i am truly grateful for that because then it allowed me to embark on my mental health journey i finally got some things addressed that i needed to have addressed long before um but I mean, I, I saw a therapist, I saw a psychiatrist, um, you know, like I don't, I don't have underlying, you know, all the time depression, but I have, certainly I have situational and seasonal, um, but I had like such strong underlying anxiety that I just have panic attacks all the time. And sometimes out of the blue for no reason at all, triggered by nothing really. And right. so I did get on an SSRI, um, like an antidepressant, uh, as I was getting sober. Um, and I've been on one, uh, different types over the years, but I've still, I've been on one this entire time. And part of me is like, I just want to get off of medication. But the other part is like, I don't want to screw with my life. And it's just, that's, a, that's another thing in and of itself, but it's, it's been really great to not have a panic attack every day. Yeah. Right. And we're for that. <laughs> and you're right. You know, alcohol is uh, some form of self-medication. I mean, yeah. it's just, that probably is a hundred percent the case. <laughs> it's some form of self-medication. So when you stop drinking, you give yourself a chance to address the, the issues that, that are, that are most important, the things that need to be addressed that you're self-medicating. Yeah. And yeah. It's interesting when we remove alcohol that for me, I didn't realize I had anxiety my whole entire life. And when I was at She Recovers in New York and I heard Elizabeth Vargas talking about her book, she said a line from her book was, um, anxiety had been the background music to my entire life. Mm -hmm. and when she said that, I wrote that down and I thought, oh my God. And I started piecing things together. Like it's very much a self-discovery thing that you're doing when you get sober. Like what is, what is the root? What is the cause? What is, you know, I heard Nikki Myers, they're talking about the issues are in your tissues and uh -huh. I was hearing these things. And I was thinking, wow, there's so much more to this than not drinking. Like there's a, yeah. whole, th a whole bunch of stuff I need to look into. And so anesthetizing myself with alcohol and realizing, oh, this works took me a while to figure it out. I didn't really start drinking in full force until I was 27 oh, wow. and I didn't stop until I was 44. So it took me some years of, of figuring that out. And, mm -hmm. and, and even now, like it's so beautiful to still go, Oh, caffeine was making, was, was fueling my anxiety every single mm -hmm. day. Coffee upon waking for my body um, was revving it up to a degree that I was having major anxiety still when I was sober and panic attacks too, Laura. And it's very uh, debilitating. It's very frightening. I feel completely out of control, which is very hard for me to feel. And I think, I don't know, I'm just very impressed that at 24, at least you could take away that part of um, that component and then address the other things. And I love how you are also a proponent for mental health and talking about it and destigmatizing so many things, Laura. That's what I admire about your work. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Don't make me cry now. Oh, I mean it. I've been watching you grow since I think we all met each other in the home Facebook group. I yeah. Yeah. Gosh. 
hashtag forever ago. (laughs) (laughs) It was such a magical time in that group. Remember when it was like 200 people or something? Yeah, like the OG group. It was, it was, (laughs) it was phenomenal. And then also we shared a podcast network for a hot second. I had a baby podcast. I, I had an eight episode run. On the what was it called? Remind after. everybody what it was called. Bad Story Pod. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. Bad I Story because I um, there's a running joke with my brother uh, in high school. I couldn't tell a story to save my life, and he and his friends just nicknamed me Bad Story. Anytime <laughs> I started talking, they would just be like, mm, "Bad Story, Bad Story." So I thought I would flip it and just call it bad story. And I ended up telling some really good stories. Um, but something, I don't know. I had just like this block. I just didn't, I don't know. Maybe I was like, do people just want to listen to me talk this whole time? Cause I didn't have guests and well, it, it was, was a few years ago. There wasn't as many podcasts, right? Like it was That's true. Now there are so many. Um, and I consider yours, you know, one of the originals definitely, you know, home was before that but since right now is like to me the grandfather of recovery podcast right Uh we love the backbone to all of of all of us so and that's how I really got plugged in um to to the online sobriety community because you know I I didn't start my own creative pursuits related to my recovery until I was almost eight years sober so like I had practically a decade of just kind of doing my own thing, thinking yeah. that like there weren't any other people. I mean, I didn't think this truly, but I kind of had this feeling that like, there probably aren't that many people out there like me besides, right. you know, like at meetings. And I did go to meetings for a while and it was actually, you know, there are some people who are like staunch program devotees and then there are people who like vilify it and it's awful and it's terrible and I am very much in the middle you know I respect 12-step programs because of all they do for the recovery community for all they symbolize they they are the the grandfather once again like to use that word of recovery communities and they helped me in my path and I think they they helped me you know build a solid foundation. And I did work the 12 steps with a sponsor and I did do all of the things that one does recommend in, in 12 step programs. And it was part of my path and I will never regret that. And I think there's, you know, for, for those who do participate, there's a responsibility statement. And that means that, you know, like it will be there for the next person who needs it. Now, not everyone needs it. And, and one of the things that has been beautiful to, to see over the years is that there are more and more types of programs. There are more uh, books and courses. And, and, you know, we've seen like Holly's uh, hip sobriety school turn, you know, into Tempest. There are things that like work for different people, just like, you know, let's say it's 12 steps works for millions and millions. Well, there are just as many, if not more millions who it doesn't work for. And we need to celebrate that there are so many different paths to recovery, so many different, um, you know, ways to get to that table of, of recovery. And so, um, for me, it stopped working. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I regret going through the process because I was able to make amends with family and some friends. And I was able to really like look at my relationship history and, 
you know, like start to develop some sort of like spiritual understanding. Um, and so for me, it was really important as part of my path. But when it started to become my life, instead of adding to my life, it was becoming my life. I knew I needed to take a step back. And then I just kind of took more and more steps back and then realized it was a, it provided many gifts to me. And, and, you know, some of those principles I will always carry with me and I will never judge someone if that's their path. But I also want to provide other resources to people and I want to provide other resources to myself. And that's really kind of the starting point of why I started the sobriety collective, because I wanted there to be other options available for people yeah, and you know, a way to bring people together differently. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. When, what year did you start the sobriety collective and what was the impetus for that? So, um, it was 2015. I think that was kind of the year that like things were right. And I think, I think that's when I, um, uh, started my, just my blog, you know, mm-hmm. the, the unruffled, it was way before the podcast. Yeah. And I followed that for a long time and I loved, loved watching, like you come up with different kimonos and robes and things. And my, my goal one day is still, if you're still making them. Oh yes, I am. Buy- <laughs> <They're> so, <laughs> you feel so good in it. You feel so oh, fantastic when you well, wear it. Note, like completely like you know, fast forwarding all these years where we are right now, I got laid off due to COVID. And so I'm, you know, mm. trying to develop some sort of budget with my, with my self-employment and unemployment. And so one day I will be able to afford one of the gorgeous <laughs> kimonos, but going, going way backwards. So it was 2015 and I had, uh, it was April of 2015 and July was going to be my eight year sobriety anniversary. So, um, you know, during that time, from you know 2007 to 2015, I did many a different thing, uh, including 12-step program for probably combined three years. Um, I was seeing a therapist. I had cut some toxic relationships out of my life. I was exercising more, reading more recovery memoirs and self-help books, and. Um, kind of without knowing it, uh, creating my own patchwork, which is something that She Recovers community likes to, to say a lot. And I love that. Like it's a, I ha- created a patchwork recovery of different, different menu items that work for me. And I, um, you know, I'd never really considered myself like an artistic person, to be honest, because, um, well, I'm going to give you the caveat. Yeah. Um, because to me, artistic my, my understanding of it, at least in my twenties was, um, that it meant like, like, like literally just like painting and drawing. And I can't draw a stick figure to save my life. My brother is like a gorgeously accomplished hobbyist of an artist. He doesn't even do it for, I mean, he has like a, a regular job, but he's an amazing artist. And meanwhile, I'm like, looking at a at a photo to do a still life and it still looks like a kindergartner did it <laughs> so yeah. I'm, like, I'm not artistic but but that is absolutely not true because everyone's creativity is so different and unique and just like we oh this is gonna sound so cheesy but like we have our dna and like everyone's creative dna is so different and nuanced and 
So I'm very musical and um, I love singing. I play guitar, not super, super well, but well enough that I can accompany myself. And I play piano and I'm self-taught really on both. Um, and so music has always been part of my, my creative backbone. And then um, I, found, I found that when I, when I started the blog, which really did just start as a, as a blog on Blogger, if anyone remembers Blogger. I remember Blogger. Yep. Um, <laughs> I had a blog on Blogger. <laughs> it wasn't Blogger. It was Blogspot. But oh, it was bad. Uh-huh. Blogspot. Yep. It was mm-hmm. so bad. And I was like, this won't do. And so I deep dove into um, Squarespace and Canva and, and looking at design stuff and just kind of realizing that like I liked typography. And I, by the way, I didn't even mention, but I wanted to be a journalist when I grew up, mm. <laughs> when I was younger. Um, and I took a journalism course and it just like, I loved, you know, reading about like the psychology of typography and shapes and colors and, um, you know, learning about the golden mean, which is like the perfect spot to put something on a page. And, and so I was like, okay, this blog spot thing is not going to do, I'm going to, you know, gussy it up. And it just kept evolving and evolving. And I realized I loved graphic design, but like kind of graphic design for dummies. Like <laughs> um, I'm not, I'm not, you know, um, for instance, like everyone's like, your logo is so gorgeous. And I was like, gosh, if I was, if I designed it, I would be a graphic designer and I wouldn't have to worry about money. <laughs> that, was, that was Chris from since right now. He right. Um, but I, I just found that I loved like playing with colors and shapes and, and designing websites. And so, um, what started as a blog, uh, for me and to just to share my story and to see if there was anyone else out there that maybe had a different kind of recovery story, um, then became a way to like celebrate creativity in recovery or sobriety. Um, but like my, my definition of creativity was, is a lot more open, um, than what I used to think creativity was. So anyone who has any kind of creative output, whether it's writing or being a photographer or a musician or a fashion designer, or, you know, an athlete, that's a different type of creativity or a podcaster, a comedian, anything that's like a creative output and being open about their story, being open about if they want to call it recovery or sobriety or whatever. But um, I had come from this, you know, very sort of anonymous path. And, um, and I think there was also a lot of misunderstanding with, with what it meant to be anonymous. It wasn't that you were supposed to be silent about your story and silent about connecting with others. It was just that I believe that really the whole point of anonymity in a 12-step program is to like protect the people who you see there and to not be a spokesperson for a program but it's Absolutely. not not meant to silence people and to say that you can't you know say your full name Laura Silverman you don't have to be Laura S if you don't want to be you know that's my understanding and, and maybe it's different yeah. for other people no I, I think that is the understanding uh, the, at least that's my understanding and I but you have to grow into that too I think finding the work I'm doing lately, Laura, is finding my voice. And I think like you were finding your voice in those years prep, you know, leading up to 2015. Um, And then you, you, through the sobriety collective, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but you, because I've 
taken part of it. Thank you very much. Um, you give a voice to others and you were doing what, um, you know, you very much inspired me with my ray of light series that I did in 2017, where I interviewed women and told, they got to tell their story of their path. And, and you do, you did that on the sobriety collective with many, many people. It was very refreshing and early sobriety that I could go and read the sobriety collective and see that not everybody was doing AA. Not everybody was doing refuge recovery. Not every, you know, there was no one thing. Uh, it was a, a nice, um, mix of people that you were having on the sobriety collective to show like you can do it in any way you want. Yeah. That means a lot to me. Um, because that's really the, the whole point of why I did it. I wanted, I love celebrating other people. Now I'm not going to lie and tell you that it doesn't feel great to be like the star of this show right now. (laughs) I like attention too. Sure. But I, I just love like lifting other people up and, and sharing about them and really allowing people to connect with others. And I've heard from different people when it was super active and, you know, it still exists and I may come back to it, but when I was, you know, super active with posting all those different profiles, you know, people told me, Oh, I was able to connect with, you know, X, Y, and Z and we've collaborated on something. And like, that made me so happy because I wanted it to sort of be like a directory of the, like, not the cool club, but just like a directory of, you know, the people who are doing awesome things in, you know, and being creative and shattering the, the myth that you have to be a tortured artist to be creative and, um, you know, that you can be sober and do all sorts of amazing things and you don't have to be anonymous about it if you don't want to be. Um, and, and that was really kind of the reason, like, I, I just wanted to, showcase sober creatives however they define that for themselves and um yeah i just a brain fart there i'm sorry people can find that people can read these things on the sobriety collective right right great so our listeners can go and check that out at the sobriety Mm -hmm. collective um dot com right Yep.com. Yeah, um, you also, so, so you're kind of like the collaboration queen, right, Laura? Like you <laughs> are like the collaboration queen in the recovery community. And maybe you, pardon me. I said maybe one of them. Well, <laughs> right. well okay. you, just, you just show up with true enthusiasm for yes. other people. And that is just, just I you just love everywhere. <laughs> you're refreshing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And I think like, she's got so much energy. Like I can barely keep it together. Just trying to do, look at us. We're recording this on the day it's releasing. Like we're just trying to keep it together, but you have a lot of energy, Laura. Well, and I, by the way, <laughs> but it is for you guys. Longer by an hour. So I'm going to give you some credit for being up early. <laughs> well, so what another, we've had Chris Marshall on the show before from Sands Bar. And I know you guys did a beautiful collaboration. I've seen you singing at his place before the Sands Bar in Austin before, you know, when you could do that. Um, so tell us a little bit about that collaboration with Zero Proof Nation that you guys started. Yeah. So, okay, Chris, one of my favorite people in the world. Um, So I'm going to take some credit here and say that the Sobriety Collective was the first media outlet (laughs) to feature his story. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, obviously, if anyone has been living under a rock, um, Chris is the founder of Sands Bar and um, has been in many, uh, like, well, I'm not going to like, you know, um, 
you know, diss myself, but like many an actual legitimate media publication, like magazines and the New York Times and this and that. And so, um, but his very first like public uh, story sharing was via the Sobriety Collective. And I asked him to be a part of it because back in December, 2017, I heard, I think it was on Twitter. This is like even before he was on Instagram, but I think I heard on Twitter that um, there was going to be this sober bar pop-up in Austin uh, in December. And believe it or not, I was going to Austin for um, like a women entrepreneur in recovery, like mini conference thing. And um, that I was helping plan. And it was just a small group of like eight women, but it was like the week after or the week before, I don't remember, but it wasn't lining up with the, the week that there was the pop-up for Sands Bar. And I was super bummed because I was like, wow, this is such a genius idea and I want to learn more. So we got connected that way. And we just, he was like, I didn't think you would respond. You're like a celebrity to me. And I'm like, who's the celebrity now? <laughs> but yeah, we just kind of stayed in touch. And then, you know, I featured him on the Sobriety Collective and then we just became really good friends. Um, and he asked me if I wanted to be the quote unquote keynote speaker for the one year Sands Bar anniversary celebration because Aww. I had been a supporter since day one. And it's true, I have been. Um, and I was just flabbergasted. And I said yes. And I did that. And then, um, you know, he launched his pop up uh, like national pop-up tour. And so I thought it was only natural that I be the boots on the ground for Sandsbar DC. Um, and so I, you know, with a small team, very small team of volunteers, uh, planned two different Sandsbar um, events in DC, one for like the general public and then one for just American University students um, as part of like a wellness fair they were having. And that was hugely popular. And then, um, then in January of this year, we actually had the third and it was spearheaded by my like co co person for DC. Cause I was just like doing a lot of different things and I, I couldn't do it by myself and she did a fabulous job. But, um, so we, Chris and I had been collaborating on a lot of different things in that, you know, zero proof realm. And with having a couple of sands bars behind us, I was like, I want to showcase like different beverages and the stories behind them and, you know, kind of do a similar thing to what I was doing with the sobriety collective profiles, but not just limit it um, to creativity. Although that, that seems to be an underlying like backbone to most of the people that we feature. Um, but, you know, have, have people who are either sober or sober curious or in recovery um, and then showcase some of their like tools and um, you know who they are and then what their favorite beverages are because I think at the end of the day we just wanted to um, build community and showcase all these amazing different zero proof beverages that are popping up and really the whole point of that um, is to show that you don't have to drink alcohol to have fun. And there are so many different options available for you. And here is what, you know, person out in London loves and here's what person out in LA loves. And, and so, um, and so, so the idea was mine, but Chris 
had to, to really push me to do it because I was like, oh, well, I love this idea. And, and he's like, well, just do it then. Let's do it. And I was like, but, yeah. and I kind of <laughs> like, didn't feel like I could do it right or whatever. And I think there's a bit of perfectionism in me, even if I didn't want to admit it. <laughs> anyway, he like, he gave me the nudge that I needed and, and we just decided like we'll, we would do this like as, as co- collaborators, co-conspirators. Um, but I really like, I love the idea of it. And I love that now there's just so many different things like this out there. Um, so that's, I, I maybe like, I think I'm like struggling with my attention span a little bit. Sorry, I'm going to put up horse blinders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's, okay. that's sort of the, how that formed. And, um, you know, Chris's main thing was really my main thing. It's building community, like building authentic community. Um, and that's what he does at Sandsbar. And that's what I do online and have, you know, um, made many a foray into like in real life IRL uh, community. And anyway, that's the story of that. And so that definitely still continues. And we would certainly love to when you have some time, it doesn't take very long to fill out the form, but we would love to showcase um, both of you separately or together, but I think it's more Sweet. of a separate. I know, I was just looking, I was like, how am I not following Zero Proof Nation? How has that not been on my Instagram? So I just followed you, maybe that was a distraction. I just, I just hit like follow. Um, that's awesome. Well, I find, I don't know, I heard Sandra on the Sense Right Now podcast. And for our listeners who don't know what we're talking about, like, go check it out. They're like three guys with irreverent, it's kind of a beautiful, irreverent take to recovery. Um, it's not precious at all. And I heard Sandra on there. And to collaborate on a project, like her and I reached out to each other, you know, and started having phone dates mm -hmm. and just started talking about what we wanted to, you know, oh, I'd love to do this. I'd love to do this. And then we started talking about a podcast. So reaching out and collaborating with another sober person is kind of a cool thing because um, it's not as scary to do it, to do it, well, in general for any person, but it's not as scary to do it alone. Right, Sandra? Oh, for sure. For sure. And, you know, and there's so, I, I think for as many, you know, other sober people to follow on Instagram or, or, or websites to check out, there's, you know, you'll, your audience will find you because that's just how many people are, you know, taking on the sober lifestyle or just, um, even just sober curious. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that just having all of this on just in the landscape, um, just makes it feel just so much more doable. And yeah. I mean, and I, it, I got sober in 2014. That wasn't even that long ago. None of this was available. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was, I think 2015 was very much like the, the start of something kind of magical online. Um, maybe because that's the year I joined, but also because like, I, I just didn't see much like before, like there was the fix, um, which has, very much changed since when I, it was super edgy when I first discovered it. Um, and there were, you know, a couple other things. Yeah. There was the bubble hour. That yeah. was a podcast that's still, you know, still going on. And, um, 
but but besides that there was like not there wasn't much <laughs> out oh, there i have to tell you both tammy and sandra okay so um when i just when i saw hipsobriety.com mm -hmm. that was in march of 2015 and i started in april and i had been thinking of doing this for a while mm -hmm. but i was like is like can i can i be quote unquote out about like not being in 12 steps anymore like is that okay i don't know mm -hmm. like i cared too much about what people thought but i also wanted to be respectful too and i discovered holly's blog and like it just awoken like it what is that grammatically correct? It awoke, <laughs> awakened? Something it awakened. <laughs> I felt awake. <laughs> yes. I felt, yeah. So like, it just, it, it, I was like, yes, this is, I'm maybe not the same, but very, like I resonated so mm -hmm. deeply with it. And I reached out to her back when like, it was just so easy to, you know, email someone from a blog and they would write right back. Yes. Um, and, uh, and that just, it really was validating to me to see someone who was unapologetic and um, doing her own thing and seeming to be, and this was like before she launched any of her uh, schools, the hip sobriety schools, it was just a blog about being sober and not being in 12 steps. And I thought it was really revolutionary as we've all seen it had, has become quite so. Um, but that was like, kind of like what sealed the deal for me. Like I was going to start this thing anyway, but I needed maybe just a little external, like, yeah, you can do this. And I just remembered this right now. And I was like, yes, I have to, I have to say that. So. Well, her, her manifesto, Holly Whitaker's manifesto on her hip sobriety website was like a giant permission slip for people, I think. Yeah. Right that you could explore, you could figure it out. Now, Holly, and I've said this before, she kind of scared the heck out of me. Um, with how bold she was, right? Right. It seemed pretty outrageous, right? <laughs> right. You know, her, her, I, I know when I interviewed her for her book launch at, um, book people here in Austin, I was like, yeah, you're, um, you're that one article you wrote on your blog, like I am not an alcoholic. Yes. <laughs> was so outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. it, and, and it, but it's something about her, obviously, um, it just, I, I did want some of what she had. I was a little afraid. I wasn't sure of myself at the time. Um, and, and 12 steps has been my, was my, uh, has been my path for the last four years of mm -hmm. my sobriety, but, um, but not initially I didn't have anything. I was following her. I was following Laura. I was part of the home group and I just kind of, you know, I think they launched the home podcast um, right as I was entering the rooms of, of 12 step, but it was interesting to listen to and to kind of be right, Laura, like it was, there was, there's nothing out there really talking about it like that in the way that right. she does. But and what I loved about the, the home podcast though, um, and granted, I, I didn't listen to every single episode, but, but the episodes that I did listen to, I just loved the underlying like collaboration that they had Laura mm -hmm. and Holly and that one, you know, for, for those who don't know, um, Laura McCowan was, I, I, I don't know if she still is, but at the time was very much like a 12 step, yeah. um, follower or, or a devotee, whatever you want to, you know, someone who would actively go to meetings and work the program. And of course we know that Holly wasn't. Yeah. And so they brought those two perspectives with them as they were interviewing guests and as they, you know, had discussions and really like honest, raw conversations. And I thought that was really a show that you don't, 
have to share the same exact carbon copy um, yeah. view, worldview of what your recovery is or sobriety or even like the world in general. And uh, you can have like intelligent, honest conversations. And I thought that that was like probably the most beautiful part of their podcast was that it was just two very different perspectives. I agree. I yes. agree. I couldn't wait for it to come out Wednesday mornings. And I, um, I did, I did listen to every episode and I, um, you know, I would argue with them sometimes in my studio. <laughs> <laughs> I would be upset with them sometimes um, when they were, you know, talking about certain things. But then I loved it. And I think that that community they built, um, I just found many, many friends in there. So it's, yeah, that's what's been cool about recovery, being aware, being, having clarity, having the desire to um, meet people like uh, this introverted person who, who doesn't like even going to Costco, it freaks me out. Like that I could go to a recovery <laughs> conference, right? Sleep in bed with Sandra, somebody I'd only met on the internet. <laughs> You know, like we got I'm to do these things. things. <laughs> when I have any, like relationship partners, <laughs> right? Oh my gosh. It's yeah, it's been, it's been, it's, um, it's just opened up a whole new world and I'm grateful for, I'm so grateful for all of the, um, like, you, pardon me. The original best part about all of this is like waking up every day, mm. not having to worry about what I did the night before. Um, all of the feelings of like guilt, shame, remorse, possibly, um, or just like disgust with myself on top of all of the physical disgusting feelings of like waking up hungover. It's just, it's like, even when life is shitty and it is shitty sometimes, um, I think life sometimes has to be shitty to give uh, contrast to the beautiful moments and to allow us to appreciate certain things. Otherwise, if it was good all the time, would, would it be good? It would just be the same. Right. right. Totally. Um, so Laura, we're all involved. Um, I'm going to segue here, maybe not so smoothly, but I'm just looking at time. Okay, but, just do it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I am queen of the non-good segue. Uh, <laughs> but uh, we're all involved with the creative high film that is that yeah. was created by Adriana Marchion and you, uh, the sobriety collective and, uh, the unruffled podcast are partners on the creative high inspiration series. that's happening right now mm-hmm. that will actually be happening this Friday. If you're listening to this in real time on okay. August, uh, let's look at the date on August 14th, uh, 2020. So, Again, more community, more of you connecting with people. This is your superpower, Laura. How, um, if you can do it briefly, tell us how you how you came how you became involved with uh, Adriana's project, the Creative High Film documentary. Um, you know, I'm trying to remember. I think we had connected a while ago um, via my blog or her blog, and we just became friends. I featured her on the Sobriety Collective back in the day, and we met in person. Her mother lives out in Reston, Virginia, which is a bit of a hike for me, but like it's still within the metro area of DC. So we, we had dinner and really got to talking about, you know, our lives and creativity. And, um, and so I helped her and some of her associate and producers um, for their first round of fundraising or one of their rounds of fundraising like a year ago. And so that's how we first got connected. And then, um, if anyone is familiar with documentary filmmaking uh, or any film, like it costs some money to, to put together. 
um, to do it right, you know? And so they're sort of at the tail end of, of raising funds for this amazing documentary on um, creative, like truly creative folks who are in recovery, who are, you know, out about their recovery, who are out about their creativity. And in this whole like COVID madness that we're all in right now, they wanted to find a way to bring people together, to bring the film to a wider audience and to, you know, raise the remaining funds for the film so that they can um, distribute it. You know, they wanted to have like an in-person premiere maybe that won't happen right away, but you know, to a digital world premiere could still be an amazing thing. So how are they going to do all of those elements together? Well, let's put together this like amazing inspiration series with a combination of, you know, pre-recorded interviews with different creatives and I helped find, I helped source some people for the interviews. I helped source some people for the panel because as you have been saying, I am a collaboration queen. So I know a lot of people and I know a lot of creative people who are sober. So I was like, you know, I, I, I recommended several people and um, many of those are, are now uh, part of that series. But um, so like I was saying, there's a combination of some pre-recorded interviews and then some live events and Last Friday was the the inaugural event. It was, you know, welcoming people to the series, having a couple of live performances, and then just workshopping some creativity together in a in a live experience, as live as it can be via Zoom. Yeah. Um, and this Friday, where we're all together, um, you know, Tammy and Sandra are moderating a panel on building authentic community in recovery, especially like through that creative lens. Um, and I will be moderating the chat. Very exciting. <laughs> um, but that's going to be great because it'll just be like a, a really cool cross section of different, um, creatives around the country. Um, and, and I highly recommend that people join and you must RSVP to an event to get your zoom link. Um, but it's going to be great. And then there, there's another, um, live workshop the following Friday on, I, I think it's on, um, you know, discovering your voice or um, storytelling or something. It's going to yeah. be good. Yeah. Well, yeah. you are, yeah, like I said, you're a powerhouse and the people on the panel that we're interviewing, I'm so excited because it's a couple of former guests. It's going to mm -hmm. be Chris Marshall from Sands Bar, which is awesome. And Peyton Kennedy from She Recovers. And um, Wesley Gear, who um, he founded Rock to Recovery. Uh -huh. And he used to be the guitarist for Corn. Is that, am I correct with that? This is apparently true. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then um, <laughs> Lazarus Nance, musician, yeah. trans, trans activist, and they're going to be on the panel. And Aaron Carr, an author, mm -hmm. who wrote the book um, Strung Out. So I'm super excited. I know Sandra and I are working on um, questions, and kind of I'm sure it's going to be an interesting panel discussion. And with, with the two of you as the moderators, it's going to be phenomenal because I mean, this is, this is what you do. You interview people who are creative in recovery. It's going to be awesome. Well, <laughs> I feel like we know what we're doing at this yeah, point. Sure. Yeah. I'll this take our, that. This is our 174th episode. So I think, right. yeah, I think we, we might have it, but oh, Laura, I'm so happy just to, again, I've been connecting with you online and just seeing you everywhere and your spirit and kind of, I've seen you dancing. I've been seeing you wearing fabulous <laughs> earrings. I've been seeing- Oh yeah, daybreaker stuff. I was like, wait, dancing. Ah, yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we had a shuffle yesterday. That was fun. 
It, well, it's been fun watching you just recover out loud, like seeing what you've done, all the things you've been involved with over the years. And it's very inspirational. Life does not have to stay stagnant like that water, right? You're just, yeah. you have a really full, beautiful life and you share it with others. And clearly being of service is part of your, in your DNA, because that's kind of what you're doing with all of this work, it seems. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we're at the, f- the part of our podcast where we do, we share your toolbox items for, it could be recovery related or um, creativity. Did I say that? <laughs> creativity or sobriety related. And what do you have in your toolbox for our listeners today? So I'm so glad you asked. This is what <laughs> I ask people too. I think it's great because um, it, it provides people resources or, you know, maybe it validates one of their own tools or it gives them ideas for others. Um, And it just shows that we all do this differently, but there's an element of universality too. So um, what I have, the three things that are most important to me in my recovery and creativity toolbox. um, The first is nature. Um, Being out in nature, I feel both infinitesimally small and part of something huge, much larger than myself when I'm in natural surroundings. And I think for me, um, it's very, it's very much related to my spirituality and, and, you know, what a higher power is when I'm in a forest or like on a beach or, um, usually in a natural surrounding without a lot of people around. Um, That's when I just feel super connected to something bigger and I just have more access to myself and something larger. So that's a huge part of my toolbox. Um, the, uh, The next one is physical fitness. So when my physical health is good, my mental health reflects that. And as you all know, I'm very much um, a mental health advocate. And so when my mental health is good, I'm more likely to want to move my body and then my physical health is better. So it's very like symbiotic. The two work together and that makes sense because we are ourselves, right? That, that combines mental health, that combines physical health, spiritual health, all of it. Like we're our meat suits, <laughs> right? So, right. Like, you know, um, but like our body, you can't separate your, your physical health really from your mental health. It's just like your holistic health. And so I've, I've actually been getting super into exercise during this whole time. Um, because I know I can go in the opposite direction and pack on many a pound. And, uh, it's not like I've lost a lot of weight. I'm not doing it for a number, but I have, started to fit into clothes better. I have more energy. I feel like I look a little bit better. Um, and that, you know, that just like helps me feel better. So it's very related physical fitness and and mental fitness. And then lastly, it's really hard to like just do three, but to recap, (laughs) and then lastly is music. So Music is both a creative means in and of itself, either playing guitar, playing piano, singing, or as the backdrop to my creative pursuits. So listening to different types of music, um, you know, awakens a creative spark in me. And whether that's crafting or journaling or web design, um, uh, there's there's a particular um, composer that I absolutely love listening to, to just like get in the flow of, of some of my creative hobbies. And I discovered him through Taryn Strong of, she 
recovers. I, I heard this piece in a, in a yoga for recovery class that Taryn was teaching. And the musician's uh, name is Slow Meadow. And um, they're, they're all instrumentals and they're all just very like um, relaxing, but not like in a cookie cutter music kind of way. Mm -hmm. And so I often put them on when I'm, when I'm, you know, doing some of my web design work and can just get into the flow. So it's like music has always been important to me and I'm the biggest Beatles fan that anyone knows. Um, (laughs) I love that it it can be both like the creative means in and of itself or, you know, as sort of the soundtrack, the backdrop to to doing other things. So nature, physical fitness, and music. Mm, Those are all great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for being here. If, if our listeners are connected with any of anything that they heard here, they want to check you out more. Uh, where can they find you? Where's the easiest place to find you? Easiest place to find me. Um, well, the Instagram is, is a great start. Um, and, and, you know, just look at the show notes cause all the things will be there, but, yeah. um, if you're listening right now. My personal Instagram is at we are sober. I would love to connect with you if we're not already connected. Um, if you want to discover some really fun, um, zero proof beverages and, you know, find more community that way at zero proof nation is the other handle. And then one of the things we didn't get a chance to mention, but if you're in the DC area, I, um, I also started boozefreeindc.com. And so you can, you can follow on Instagram at boozefreeindc or peruse the website. There's tons of things to do from home. Um, or, you know, from a socially distant way of doing things and discovering the DC area from a wellness and booze-free perspective. And so that's sort of my latest pursuit. That's awesome. Mm. Well, it. we needed like three hours, I think, to really do that. Um, <laughs> but I appreciate you taking the time and doing this for us and also just to help promote the Creative High um, Inspiration Series. And I just, I, this is a delight, Laura. Like I said, this is long overdue and I really, really appreciate you making the time. Right. Thank you. And yes, since we are in real time, we will see you guys on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> Please awesome. come to the Creative High and you can see you all on Friday. And if any of us again. Yeah, I'm excited. I'll see you in the chat. <laughs> yes. And you and I will be chatting, Laura, with uh, that's our role, right? <laughs> and then um, they can find tickets on thecreativehigh.com for their yes. inspiration. Yeah, uh, thecreativehigh.com and especially backslash inspiration dash series will take them right right to where they need to go but if they just go to the creativehigh.com you'll find it in the menu and um you know even if you didn't make it to last week's uh inaugural series all of those all of the workshops are going to be recorded and sent out to participants so it's just a really great way to support other creatives in recovery and to help make the film come to life yeah for sure oh thanks laura so much this is a great Thank you so much, Tammy and Sandra. It means a lot to me to be here. And thank you, everyone who listened. I hope to connect with you. (laughs) Thanks, Laura. Bye. Bye. The Unruffled Podcast was created and produced by Sandra Primo and Tammy Salas. Our show is edited and mixed by Steve Hecht. Original music composed and performed by Caitlin Schumacher. Original artwork created by Tammy with the help of graphic designers, Chris Aguirre and Amy Lanier. Thanks for listening.